you get to know a black person, you be around them, you don't fear them. That is why segregation is always fault for segregation, because they knew that if whites and blacks got together, whites would sit back and like, they're not too different, it's just pigmentation. And the whole society then would get along. The segregationist or the so-called white supremacist, he is a coward. He is a tiny, small person who cannot stand happiness. He is a miserable human being. And I'm saying him, there are females out there as well. But that's who these people are. Welcome. 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 You've landed back on the second page and America's burning. How are you doing today, Jerry? I am doing better than America, but I'm here. Okay. Well, welcome to the second page news. This is our fourth podcast. There are things in our society that we really need to address. It seems like the situation is getting away from us. Jerry, let me just go ahead and set the table. Let's just talk about it. All right. So on today's show, we have three stories like we normally do. We're going to skip sports today. This is going to be a special edition. Uh, In the first segment, we're going to talk about Amy Cooper. In the second segment, we're going to talk about George Floyd. In the third, we're going to touch on the protests. And we're going to try to give you guys some solutions to what's going on in this country. And I hope you you stay for the entire show. It's going to be a good show. Now, when Jerry and I came up with this podcast, we didn't want to do just, you know, African-American stories. We are two African-American gentlemen. We wanted our story to be about, like, things that people didn't hear about, things that meant a lot to us and we thought they would help in a society. But, you know, every once in a while, we got to take a look back at the first page. And we did that on our premiere episode. But as two African-American men, we couldn't overlook what's going on this week. So, Jerry, let's get started. Jerry, how do you feel about everything right now? Before we jump into it, tell me how you feel. <laughs> it's, um, and I, that wasn't a laugh. It's just, you know, one of those kind of a, in disgust. You know, I am really sick and tired of hearing about, you know, cops killing unarmed black men. And it's just, it's something that, you know, have we become desensitized to this? But you never get used to it. Um, no. And it's just, this is a tragedy and it could have been prevented. And you just, you really don't have words for this. You, you know, I couldn't imagine being a brother, you know, of George Floyd, um, you know, what I would be feeling. And I know it would be feeling uh, extreme hatred, you know, right now, but that's not what we're supposed to do. I just don't even really have the words for it and just want to get into the show and, okay. and just maybe voice, you know, some opinions on that. All right. So when we get back, listen, I normally quote an article. There's no need. I mean, just open your news app. Three stories we're going to talk about are front and center. Let's just get to it, Jerry, right? Yeah. Let's just get to it. Okay. We'll, we'll see you guys in the next segment. All right, Jerry, let's talk about Amy Cooper. All right, so just to set the scene, Amy Cooper was walking her dog in a section of Central Park that required your animal be on a leash, okay? Christian Cooper... A bird watcher. No also, relation. No relation, right? Yes. Also known as a birder. That's what they call bird watchers, right? He's out trying to identify birds. Asked her politely to put her dog on the leash because she was actually in a section that required a leash law. Amy Cooper took offense to Christian telling her what to do and told her, well, I could just call 911 and tell the police you're threatening my life. Um, do you want me to do that? And essentially, that's what she did. And the good thing he started recording, I think, 
right before that, or when she even mentioned about calling the police, he started recording. So we we you know we have video evidence of what you know what happened. Okay, so the police come out and they realize that he was not threatening her life. He's got on the gear that a bird watcher would wear, and he's he's not by any means threatening. Um, so they they let him go. Now, Jerry, you told me when we talked about the story, she should be charged. I was like, hey, she lost her job. I like that better. Because the thing is, when you hit people's pockets, people start to think. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, people can get charged and then they get probation. And they, do they really learn a lesson? I mean. Well, I understand what you're saying, but I actually wanted to go a step further than her losing her job. Because okay. let's just think about this. Amy Cooper knew damn well what she was doing when she called the police. She knew damn well what she was doing when she told them that a black man threatened her. She was trying to get that man arrested or even worse for him to having the audacity to tell her to put her damn dog on a leash. And people who love dogs, I apologize for saying that, but that's just how the ridiculousness of this you know, story is. Put your dog on a leash as required by the rules of this park. I'm going to call the police and say you're threatening me. Threatening my life. Yes. My life. That's even threatening me, Jerry, right? Yeah. You, you know, I'll kick your butt, right? That's threatening, yeah. threatening my life? That yeah. means you told me you were going to kill me. Yes. Even though you never told me you were going to kill me. So, Jerry, you talked about this, the weaponization of black males. And in our yeah. society, sometimes all you have to do is say a black man scaring me, threatening me. And the police come a running, damsel yeah. in distress, and the no. black man's on the ground getting his butt whipped for something I, probably he had no idea. I'm borrowing this from Roland Martin. I saw this on one of a video that he put on YouTube. Uh, there was actually a white woman who called the police on a man who was a babysitter. He actually had a white girl, two white girls in the car. The parents you know, knew who he was. They gave him permission oh, and all this. that. Yeah. yeah. He looked suspicious to her. So she called the police. She put it upon herself to inject herself into that situation to uh, like she's the authority. It's situations like that, that could have gotten that man killed. The kids were crying. They, they you know they love the man. You know, he, he's, all, he's been a babysitter him for a while. Uh, they didn't do anything wrong. It was just a white woman took it upon herself because she had something inside her that she couldn't stand to see that black man with two white girls, and she thought something was wrong. So she, I'm the authority. I'm going to call the police. And I think that's the biggest thing with Amy Cooper. There is something seriously wrong inside of her that she would stoop to that level. You know, I, and I was jokingly saying that she should have like a, a big red letter, you know, a scarlet letter on her forehead. So everybody will know, you know what she, who she is and what she did. But and that was just me joking around with it. And it was no joking matter. But that could have ended seriously wrong. Yep. And so. You remember in our first episode, I referred to the article that black men are treated so bad. I can't remember. I'm paraphrasing, but mm -hmm. it's because we're viewed as Benjamin Dixon. We're viewed as criminals. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What, Jerry, why are we so viewed as such an aggressive beings? That's the thing I do not understand. You know, even going back to slavery, uh, you would hear stories that, you know, they the big black buck, you know, the black male, you know, mm -hmm. was supposed to be virile and strong. I don't understand where that came for fear. Um, because, you know, after the war, I think that was the tool that white supremacists used to try to get their way in the South and get Jim Crow laws instituted all over America. 
um, is that the scary black man is going to come get your daughters. You know, that's that's the story they used before. Um, and, and to a degree, you still have that. Amy, that. Amy Cooper was echoing, you know, those sentiments. This big, scary black man. I don't even know what size uh, uh, Christopher Cooper. I don't even know I don't what even, his yeah, size I don't know is. How tall yeah. he is. He's a bird watcher for crying out loud. He probably not that big. I mean, really, you no. know, but. And, and, and he actually asked no everyone to, to forgive watchers. her. <laughs> yeah, he actually asked for everyone to forgive her. But here, Jerry, let me ask you a question. Okay. We leave in Atlanta. Yes. Okay. So I decide to go get a beverage with a friend of mine on Friday night. Yes. You know, because of the being viewed as criminals and we're, we're viewed as aggressive. Yes. You know, I had to, especially with the protests going on, I had to make sure the attire that I wore on Friday night wasn't aggressive. I wore a pink shirt and mm-hmm. Jerry, I actually have the pink shirt on right now. And people, it is not aggressive. I can tell you that. Okay. Yeah. It's my pink Psycho Bunny polo. Uh, shout out to Psycho Bunny. But I had to wear that shirt and I made sure to wear shoes mm-hmm. so that I would not be mistaken for a vandal or an aggressor. And some people don't understand, like, as an African-American male, we have to make these decisions in our closets before the day starts. Some people can wear whatever they want. And most of the time, I wear whatever I want. But on Friday night, I knew, I was like, just in case, I don't want to be mistaken, and I definitely don't want a needle to my neck, I wore a pink shirt, some blue slacks, and some shoes. You know, Terry, I am so glad you brought that up about the uh, the clothing that we wear. I work in the office, with, you know, the same as you know, like you as well. Um, even on the weekends when I go to the office and I go in the office a lot of times on Saturdays or Sunday, you know, just to you know catch up with some things. Very rarely will you see me with just a T-shirt and shorts on when I go into my office. I basically dress on the weekend like I'm going to work and I can Agree with your sentiment 100 percent. We have to be conscious of what we dress like, even though we're professional men, college educated men, we're still viewed as the N word to a lot of people. And, And it doesn't matter, you know, how much income we have, you know, success we have. You know, I've always heard that saying you're still an N word. And I and I think after this week, you know, that rings true. To some people. Definitely did Derek Chauvin. Um, all right. So before we finish this segment, Jerry, I wanted to touch on it because this Amy Cooper story yeah. rings to a much more serious story about, I would say, 70 years ago. Jerry will give me the exact date. Emmett Till. 1955. Yeah. He was right. 14 years old when he was brutally murdered. Yeah. And, and, and supposedly he whistled at her. He didn't even threaten her. He whistled. And then on her deathbed, she confessed that he never even whistled. And, and you know, that's what and the thing about Emmett Till. If people, you know, not familiar with that, I saw the images of Emmett Till when I was a kid, and I still remember that. I can see the images in my head right now. Yes, and it's been years since I've seen that, and I refuse to look at it to this day. It's just a fourteen-year-old kid. Even if he did whistle, which he did not, and she said that he didn't, she lied and made it up. And later it was, I didn't know they were going to do him that bad. Who's I mean, going to hold is, them accountable? This is 1950 in the Deep South. What, what, what did you think an- was going to happen? Exactly. And then you have to ask yourself, what kind of animal are those two? Uh, how many of these guys were? This is a 14. Think about this. A 14-year-old child that they brutally beat. 
where he was unrecognizable. His, to her credit, his mom left the coffin open because she wanted the world to see what they had done to her child. Really, nothing was done about it. You know, the, no, the do you all, remember? Yeah. When they were fine. And I remember this from sociology class yep. in college. When they were found not guilty, yep. they said the only reason we didn't come back quicker is because we stopped at the soda machine for a drink before we came back. And let that sink in, people. That's letting you know that there is a whole group of people that are as vile as they come. They are subhuman because a human being would not have done what they did. Did, Even the jury. I don't don't think I want to take it that far. Okay. I mean. They wouldn't have done an animal. If a rabbit dog had bit a white child, they would not have brutalized Yeah, they would have shot the dog. They wouldn't have. I don't even know if they even shot the dog. They would have tried everything in their power. We've got to save him. But black kid, we got to beat him to death. We got to. We shoot him in send the head. A message. After we've beaten him brutally, we got to shoot him in the head. Then we got to tie, um, they tied, what was that, a, um, an engine or something mm-hmm. uh, around his neck. You know, it was, you know, he was tied to it and they weighted that down and that's when they put him in the lake. But his body did resurface. Uh, it's just, that was a tragedy uh, to this day. And then um, we have a modern day version of the story. Well, listen, yeah. the, the black guy didn't die, right? He didn't die. No. But the police came out and they could have really ended bad. Oh, yeah. But you know what? If Christian forgives Amy, I forgive Amy. Yeah. Next story. (laughs) Yeah. Let's move on. Get off of Amy. All right, folks, we're back. And um, we're still um, on the incidents of last week. Um, We just talked about the Amy Cooper story. And now this is the story that um, everybody in America and all of the world has seen. It happened up there in Minneapolis, um, Minnesota. It seems like there's a lot of things that is not good for black men happens in Minneapolis. But um, George Floyd um, was killed by the police. And, you know, Terry is going to break it down more. Um, and then I'm going to come back in. But just to you know, lead everything off, it was just a uh, routine stop over a counterfeit bill. And somehow that ended in a black man's death. So, Terry, hey, shed some light on this okay. for everybody. I think pretty much everybody knows what's going on, but essentially we always want to set the table. So uh, George Floyd accused of using a counterfeit bill. At first I heard it was, he wrote a bad check yeah. or something. Right? No, it was a, it was a bill, $20 okay, a, bill, a fake $20 bill, yeah. a counterfeit $20 bill. Yeah. Stop, uh, questioned by the police, placed in cuffs. And then Jerry, I want to point something out to you. Yeah. So they walk him over here to the corner, then mm-hmm. they walk him to the car, then they walk him somewhere else, and mm-hmm. then he falls and collapses. But if you were going to arrest him, why don't you just put the cuffs on him and just put him in a police car? Exactly. It's like they they want something to happen. And then the offense that he was accused of, the procedure, and I've read about this because you know I don't really know about counterfeit bills, but, but I, the, the clerk called it in, you know, rightfully so. The person who actually is the one who spends the money don't normally get arrested unless they're the ringleader. They want to know, where did you get this from? So we could possibly find, you know, the ringleader of this thing. For them to arrest him, to me, it was something completely off on, on that police procedure there. Yeah. And, you know, the Secret Service actually investigates counterfeit money. Yeah. Most people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like you said, you, you don't get arrested. Even if you do, like, just put me in a car and take yeah. me. Yeah. So 
George collapses, and then supposedly he resists, but we still have no not seen of evidence yet. of that. I yeah. don't see that yet. Yeah. And then Derek Chauvin. Yeah. And Jerry, this is one of the probably the most disgusting thing I've seen in the last 15 yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. And so, and Jerry will tell you, I refuse to watch a video till Thursday. Yeah. Reason being, because I was like, I've seen enough of this. This is just really sad. And when I watched that video, Jerry, I mean, Nine minutes, three minutes unresponsive. Mm -hmm. This man put his knee on this man's neck. And I don't want to hear he didn't suffocate because you could cut off blood supply to his brain with the pressure that you're applying to his neck. So I I don't want to hear he died of a heart attack like the article that complete BS. Put his knee on this man's neck for nine minutes. Three minutes, the gentleman was unresponsive. And... He dies later at the hospital. Really, he died in that street. The, yes, a doctor yes, has to did. call you dead. Yes. So they say he died at the hospital, but he yeah, was he dead was, in yeah. the ambulance. Yeah. And then what it takes about five, six, seven days. I want to be accurate about, about this. How long did it take until the arrest? It happened Memorial Day. That was Monday. And okay. he was arrested Friday. Okay. So four days. Four days. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to get incorrect. Yeah. I mean, because you remember Ahmaud Arbery, he was dead for like yeah. two months before yeah. the arrest happened. Yeah. All right. So... Derek Chauvin's arrested, and all hell breaks loose in Minneapolis, St. Paul. But you know, first let's let's okay. jump back in. You know, Derek Chauvin was arrested. There were four other so-called police officers that were there. Their job is to protect and serve, and they didn't neither of those. So those guys are just police in name only. They're not police officers. But uh, I think that also you know, leading back what you were saying, you know, about all hell breaking loose is yeah, he was arrested. But you got four other so-called police officers that who stood there and did nothing. Yes. They allowed nothing. this thing to happen and threatened bystanders. If you come closer, we're going to get you. And it's like, come on, man. You know, do your job. That's yeah. not what you're trained to do. I, I can't understand it. I don't understand, you know, what, what goes through those people. mind. what was going through this guy's mind, this killer's mind, knowing that he was taking a person's life. That guy got some serious issues going on with him. You know, besides being, if if he is racist, bigoted, he's got the, the hatred. He doesn't need to just, be a police officer then. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, you were, you know going back to what you were saying about all hell broke loose after that. Yeah, let's you know, get into that, uh, Terry. Uh, yeah, so then protests break out in Minneapolis. And essentially, Minneapolis is saying the city is on fire. Minneapolis yeah. and St. Paul, the city's on fire. Because, you yes. know, they burn buildings yeah. in both cities. They burned. They thought it was L.A. 1965. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they yeah. they started with a target. Mm-hmm. I saw an auto zone. Then they burned down the Minnesota, the third precinct police department. They burned a building down. Wow. Now, I will tell you this. Peaceful protests, I'm all about it. Absolutely. Looting and property damage, Yeah, you lose me there. A hundred percent. You lose me there. We cannot condone that. And we condemn that. Yeah, I'm not saying in any way are you are the destruction of property, you know, burning police cars. That doesn't solve anything. That actually complicates the matter further. Yes. yes. I understand the point you're trying to get across, but it makes this so much more complicated. Yeah. And let me tell you why, Jerry. My mom gave me like one of the best quotes that I live by in my life. It's like the one of the biggest things that I live by. And it's helped me out so much in my life. Okay. okay? And so my mom told me when I was young, Terrence, when something bad happens to you or someone wrongs you, 
You can't be the little man and the big man at the same time. You have to choose. Now, mm-hmm. if you're going to be the little man, fine. Be the little man. You want to burn everything up. Yep. You want to you want to burn police cars, attack police officers. You can be the little man, yeah. but the little man never wins. No. The big man. Now, if you have to be the big man, it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's so, Jerry, it's so painful yep. being the big man. Yep. And the big man, he wins, but it takes longer for him to get justice. And so we can look back in the... In the days of the civil rights era, Martin Luther King advocated peaceful protests. Yes. And lo and behold, a civil rights bill was passed, right? Yes. After years of violence, riots, and -hmm. when I say violence, I'm talking about the white people exacting violence on African-Americans. And then African-Americans reaching a point where you know, they felt there was nothing left. They rioted, yes. right? You had Memphis mm-hmm. riots. You had mm-hmm. peaceful protests, got a civil rights bill passed. I mean, dogs were sicked on us. Yes. Fire hose were put on us. Fire hose that they said would rip the skin off your back. Yeah. They did that to children. And they did that to girls. Yes. yes. Young girls. Churches were firebombed. Churches firebombed. Yeah. yeah. But burning the city down to the ground? Yes. It doesn't work for me, bro. And I want to add in there as well is that civil rights movement could not have worked without the aid and the alliance of good white people. There were white people who were killed just like I mean, black the Civil people. War was fought for the most part by white people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, yeah, it was basically a white man's war, you know. <laughs> but why do we always chuckle at serious things? I know. It, I know. It, and, and, and don't get us wrong, we're not laughing no, at this no, war, but no, yeah. No. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that civil rights movement, there were good white people who died as well. Was it Goodman, Shaney, and Schwerner? You know, Goodman and Schwerner, they were white guys from from New York. And they were killed alongside um James Shaney. Yeah. Uh, that was um, you know, in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, yeah, they they came down yeah, to register yeah. people to vote. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, literally got to Mississippi and disappeared. Yeah, you know it, it, that's saying something. And this was like 1964, if my memory serves me right. We would rather kill you than for you to exercise your right to vote. Something is wrong there, and those feelings don't just go away. But here's the thing, y'all. And I, I, I enjoy what you say about what your mom told you there about the big man, the little man. The people protesting, the number one way to protest, register and vote. Vote out politicians who you don't agree with. Vote in politicians who align with your beliefs. That's the best way to get people back. Vote them out. You don't have to sit there and burn stuff. Vote. And I'll go a step further. Mm -hmm. Equip yourself with skills to properly function in a capitalist society. See, you know what the funny thing about it is? And I'll have to do a whole nother show on this, but Mm -hmm. a lot of what ails America, uh, definitely from a racial perspective, Mm -hmm. is frustration on both sides, Jerry, Mm -hmm. of people who feel they're not receiving their version of the American dream. When all you really need to do is grab a book, pick up a skill, learn something, there are people who make millions of dollars a year selling coats for cats, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. do you see him at PetSmart? Uh, yeah, you're, you're right? 100% correct. Do, do you see him at Petco? <laughs> oh. Somebody's like, you know what? I'm going to sew coats for pets. Yep. And they make millions. 
part of this frustration is people feel like they don't they don't have opportunity, they don't have a chance. But you know what? This is America. The land of opportunity. And part of your frustration, like, here's the deal. Me and Jerry are African-American males, right? We work in an industry where we decide how much we're going to make in a year. We decide yep. how much, how hard we're going to want to work. Yep. And, you know, some years are good, some years are bad. But, and I don't know about for Jerry, because I can't speak for Jerry, but, you know, I feel as though my destiny, for the most part, is in my hands, right? Yeah. How hard I work definitely comes back to me in rewards, right? Yeah. Yes. And so, listen, I can understand if you're on salary, like that as hard as you work, you're going to still get your same salary, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're really feeling frustration there, then it's time to quit. I used to be yes. you. And I was like, I do so much work and I only get paid X. I quit. And I demanded my version of the American dream. And to be honest with you, I've said this before. I'm an apolitical person because I don't I don't care who's president. I really don't care. I don't care who's my senator. I don't care who's my governor. But I'm going to vote because I, yeah. I want policies that help people who believe who are aligned with the same beliefs that I believe. However, I believe it is my decision and my destiny from that I decide. I decide that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hate seeing you know, my brothers and sisters getting abused by the police, being victims of brutality. But I'm going to tell you right now, you change your socioeconomic status and we'll have them funds and the resources to fight the good fight against the corrupt and I'd say uh, abusive officers. I'm, I'm Go going to say this, uh, Terry, and I agree with everything you said there you know, about education and changing your life. But, you know, this is, and I'll admit this today, uh, after that happened to George Floyd on Monday, you know, I'm driving around here in you know, Metro Atlanta. I'm not going to lie. I actually was hesitant and a little worried when I saw police. Really? Yes. Here's the deal. George Floyd was 46 years old. By all means, he didn't seem like he was, you know, I'm doing the air quotes, thuggish. Not at all. Exactly. And he gets killed by the police. Now, here I am, you know, probably the least thuggish person you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, hey, Me, guns Jerry and, and I are not thugs. <laughs> guns and Roses is my favorite group. <laughs> so, but I'm sitting here, you know, driving and I'm thinking, man, you know, if they pull me over, what's going to stop them? You know, from doing that, you know, you, you get those thoughts in your head, but it'll pass, but it, it still was there. Yeah, I'm not going to lie about it, but that's true. I felt it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you think we've done this topic justice? Yeah, because, uh, you know, I think we need to go into, you know, we've talked about the problem, but we need to address some talk, solutions. Let's talk some solutions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk solutions. All right. So we're back. Jerry, I'm really enjoying this episode. Now, once again, I'm going to repeat, I did not want our podcast to kind of, you know, like we had to bear the mantle for everything that is wrong in America. We wanted to like deliver you stories about aliens. We wanted to tell you about the economy. But some stories, and I mean, this week in particular, some stories take precedence over everything. So we had to talk about Amy Cooper. We had to talk about George Floyd. Now we're going to talk about solutions. Okay. Yeah. And then. Hopefully, hopefully everything's calmed down. And next week we can bring you a really light episode, you know, yeah, with an sports. episode you're going to join. We'll have some sports. <laughs> I think Jerry wants to talk about the XFL. I still owe you guys a story from two weeks ago, 
But Jerry, let's get into some solutions, okay? okay? All right, Jerry, my first thing, community policing. Okay. I think either A, police need to live where they police. Okay. Or they have to do a sabbatical, I I mean, a clinical, you know, a residency. Yeah. In an urban, like, if you are from the suburbs and you're Mm -hmm. now a police officer and you're going to go be a police officer on the south side of Chicago, you need to go do a residency, you know, in the South Bronx, six months, Okay. learn how to deal, learn how to speak with people from that area. And then that way you can be better equipped to police in an area that you're completely unfamiliar with. Because part of it, Jerry, I think a lot of these police officers are scared. That's just the truth. Yeah, I I, I can agree with you on that. And then play uh, devil's advocate here. If they're scared, then why the hell do they choose to be a police officer? One of the most dangerous professions you could be in. And if you're, I think there's a special psychological profile that goes with that. And I'm sure no matter how tough, and I'm not saying that all police officers are tough guys, but I'm just saying no matter how tough they are, unfamiliar territory is going to breed anxiety. It's going to bring doubt. It's going to bring fear. And you could be the toughest guy in the world, (laughs) but you know, you'll still have that anxiety, doubt, and fear if you're in an unfamiliar situation. They have the fear, but let's address what they truly are afraid of. That's black people. That's what it is. I mean, when you, when you, when you, (laughs) hence the residency. Exactly. So, yeah, if you get to know a black person, you be around them, you don't fear them. That is why segregationists always fought for segregation because they knew that if whites and blacks got together, whites would sit back and like, they're not too different. It's just pigmentation. And the whole society then would get along. The segregationist or the so-called white supremacist, he is a coward. He is a tiny, small person who cannot stand happiness. He is a miserable human being. And I'm saying him, there are females out there as well. But that's who these people are. And this is what their, their biggest fear is, that a, a, an inclusive together society. Okay. And then, Jerry, my next thing. hmm Quarterly mental health evaluations. Okay, I, I have that written down too. Oh, so that was yours, right? Yeah, you're I apologize. No, no, no. You're, you're 100% correct. Uh, yes. The job is very stressful. And we take for granted about mental health. You know, a person could have issues that could be uncovered if they're being evaluated on a regular basis. Now, a quarterly basis is pretty good for police officers. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. And you had something else that you, you mean, you had always talked about this, and I didn't right. agree, but now I do. I think I know you're going to come at. Okay. And then my, it's last, but it's my big one. Listen, I'm all for the pay bump, but cops are going to need college diplomas. Yes. They need, you have to learn the scientific method. You have to. And also, college, when I was in college, it pretty much strips away. Most of the hard and fast and unrealistic ideals you had from the time when you're a teenager, because to be honest with you, when you're a teenager, you really don't know anything, yeah. but you think you know everything. And then you can, you can either mature in life and continue to believe the same ridiculous things you believed as a teenager, mm-hmm. like all black people are criminals and yes. all black people are evil, or all white people are criminals and all white people are evil, yeah. because some people think that. Yes. And, but in college, you go and you realize that most of the time, people are pretty much the sum of their reality, some of their situation. Um, and that's where you learn that. But I'm also wanting to pay cops a lot more so that you can attract the best educated individuals yes. to be police officers. Now, I'm not saying fire all the cops without college diploma. They would be grandfathered in. But going forward to better our republic. Yes. I would ask that cops have 
college diplomas. And here, lastly, I think we should stop demanding so much from police officers. All right. I remember that Dallas police chief when those officers were killed and Mm -hmm. he made a statement. He said, you got problem A, give it to the police officer. You got problem B. Oh, just give that to the police officer. You got people with mental health issues. Give that to the police officers. We're asking our police officers to do way too much. Really, all they're supposed to do is apply the law. That's it. I agree with you on that. You know, I mean, they come to the most horrific scenes Mm -hmm. where they have to investigate murders, right? They they have to counsel. I mean, they come out to the same house every night and the same fight is going on between this man and this woman. And, you know, they're counseling her to leave. We have resources for you to leave. You got to turn that over to a social worker. That is not the police officer's job. His job is to come grab that man and take him to jail if he's beating his wife. We ask so much from our police officers and then we give them so little in return. I mean, think about the average... I'll tell you right now, where I live, the average starting salary for a police officer, I believe, is like $38,000 a year. Yeah, that's ne- not nearly enough for what the job that they do. For the amount that is demanded of them? Yes. It's incredible. I think, at, at the very least, they should be paid $75,000 a year. And I'd be willing, in my taxes, to pay for that. Like, if hey. there's a splose for police, I'm with that. I agree. But I want them to have college diplomas. Yes. And agree not from a for-profit university, from a... <laughs> State or private, university or college. You get no argument from me here. Okay. Okay, folks, we're back. And all seriousness about today's um, show, I wanted to clear some things up. We're not anti-police. We're not anti-American. We respect the police officers in this country, the ones who do their job correctly. And we love America. America has a special meaning to everybody. But I want to share a couple of things about myself. I am 51 years old. I was born in 1969 in South Georgia. My father had me later in his life. He was 48 when I was born. So my dad was born in 1921. His father was born in 1882. And his father was born a slave. My great-grandfather was a slave in America. My great-grandfather's name was Andrew. He couldn't read or write. His great-grandson has become a college-educated business professional here in America. My story is just like the millions of Americans in this country. Their ancestors may have not come here and changed the way mine did. They could have immigrated from a country for a better life. But everyone has that story. That's what makes America great. We're a great country because of our immigration. We're a great country because of our diversity and our inclusion. That's the things that make America great. Not some con man getting on TV telling you that they're going to make America great again. America was always a great country. It is the greatest country on earth, but it does have problems. And to point out those problems doesn't make you hate this country. In fact, it makes you love it even more. Because we can admit that we live in a great country, the greatest country on earth, and we can admit that we have our issues and we have to work those issues out. We have a racial problem in this country, and it's been that way for over 400 years. The Civil War ended in in 1865. That's 155 years ago. This country, we survived Jim Crow. We survived those black codes that they put in to segregate blacks and to prevent us from voting. We want our rights to vote in the 60s. And we come 50 
odd years later to 2020, and we see a black man killed on TV. And this is not a movie. It is real life. Something has to be done in this country. We have to have that conversation on race. We cannot be afraid anymore, Americans. That's all I have to say about that subject. And and I just wanted to get that off my chest is that we have to do better as a people. Thank you, Terry. Jerry, that was powerful. So with that being said, America's burning America, both literally and figuratively. And, you know, I could give a, you know, a speech as well. But no, I think Jerry said enough. What Jerry said was exactly, I mean, my story is a little bit different. I mean, my great, great grandfather was a slave and, you know, he'd be proud of his great, great and kids. America's burning America. We have to wake up. We have to go back to treating each other like we want to be treated. We have to go back to the golden rule and everybody knows the golden rule. We'll see you next week. We thank you for listening to the second page news where we provide you with news that you can use will make you think or make you laugh. It's unfortunate that we couldn't laugh that much this episode, but guess what? There's always tomorrow. Y'all have yourselves a great week. Take care world.